And welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Damon Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. Before we get started with today's show, um, I just wanted to mention that E3 2021 is happening imminently. Uh, this episode will release the day after the last show ends. And then our episode covering E3 and recapping everything we saw will happen the week after that. So look forward to that. So, wait, yeah. Wait, you mean that this is after E3? But... But uh, Starfield was really great. You didn't see the reveal? You know, it was uh, weird how it crashed like six times on the stage. Yeah, it was, it, and then Howard they shadow dropped out. it anyway. <laughs> yeah, Todd Howard came out in like, like a onesie. It was really weird. But yes, so today's topic is nostalgia. So I think nostalgia is really sort of the, it's a ubiquitous thing in entertainment, right? Nostalgia plays a huge factor on New entertainment that's made and how we think about entertainment in general. Uh, and video games are no different, right? So I kind of wanted to... Uh, and actually, this was Mike's idea to bring this yeah, up. It really but was. Just to sort of kick things off. What sort of games are you nostalgic about now? Because I know that can change as we get older. But in my mind specifically, I'm very nostalgic about a certain type of game. And I'm curious to see what you guys think. So... Platformers for me. Yeah. I... I've it was actually it's the exact uh, same for me, Connor. Yeah, but go ahead. I've been feeling the nostalgia of playing through Mass Effect again. Because See, the last yeah, time yeah. I played Mass Effect in any real capacity, I was a middle schooler, I think. So, yeah, I think it, so. It's interesting, right? I'm also playing through Mass Effect now, as we all know. But I don't know if I would call this nostalgia. Like, I'm just glad to see it again, but it doesn't. I feel like nostalgia is like a lot more personal to me. Like nostalgia were, is when I boot up Banjo Kazooie and feel those things again. Well, weren't that you? I felt you were older than middle day. school when you first played it, weren't you, Ambid? Yeah, I played Mass Effect uh, for the first time. Again, my first Mass Effect game was Mass Effect Two. I played it for the first time in high school. Yeah, so, so I think if Mike it was, was like in middle school. That kind of makes the difference. Yeah, right? I played it. Yeah. When I started playing Mass Effect Two, wasn't even announced yet. Okay, so you were there since like yeah. day one, basically. No, I think year one, year two. Yeah, because I bought it along with Bioshock, which were both like stellar games. Bioshock is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think I played through Mass Effect and I played through Bioshock, and I'm like, these are both really good games. Yeah, yeah. There's like a few games that come to my mind immediately when you say the word nostalgia. One is uh, oh no, uh, yeah, uh, Mobi Nogi and Maple Story, both my MMO days. I think those are just a pure numbers game. I spent like those are almost places that I lived in when I was <laughs> yeah. You know, that's like visiting your hometown almost. I can, like, I can relate to that. You yeah. know, those those games exist. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. Like, yeah, I hear those songs and I like any song from either of those games, and I immediately like I'm just gone. I need a minute to process it. Yeah, it. Like I get nostalgic. Like I was playing through some remastered games that just released on PC within the last couple of years, of like N64 titles, like Two Rock. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't realize how nostalgic I was for those games, despite being terrified of them as a kid. <laughs> like the second I booted up that menu, I'm like, I know exactly everything that goes on here. Yeah, I yeah. Still remember the all the cheats a, and everything. In the vein of those remakes and stuff, like firing up Spyro Reignited. You know, I only ever played Spyro three as a kid, but when I heard Evening Lake playing from uh, Spyro Year of the Dragon, I immediately just melted. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and certainly music has a big part in that. Like, I know, and, and it's also interesting, like, observing nostalgia for big things that you personally were a part of. Like, I know uh, when they announced, like, the Final Fantasy VII remake and, like, that music started playing, people were, like, crying watching that. Yeah. And, like, it was so fascinating to me. Like, I could sense this was a moment, but I had no attachment to it. It was just interesting to observe. Yeah, it's nostalgia is really nice but it also you also kind of look back at that content like it was really good yeah that's another Uh, interesting question too like i feel like nostalgia definitely inflates my perception of like quality for sure yeah sometimes i I definitely you were to play super mario 64 unchanged no dude sometimes i like actually quite often i feel like I do like nostalgia checks where I revisit older games just to be like, okay, was this actually good or was I just like, you know, a smitten seven year old? See, I do the op. I like, I kind of don't want to because I want to yeah, keep those. It would memories taint your preserved. memory. Yeah. You know, I. You'll That's always fair. have the memory, but if you go back and play the game and it's poop, like, that it's over. You know. See, you brought up Super Mario 64, and obviously that's a huge game to me. It was the first real video game I played. Um, And, yeah, like, playing the Mario 3D collection, like, I noticed the 30 frames per second, which obviously I didn't notice when I was, like, four years old, right? But, like, you know, like, little things did bother me, but overall my impression was still strong. Uh, And I do think, you know, it's not just because of the nostalgia. I do think 64 in particular is a fantastic game. But you know, like there, there, there's certainly a lot of cases where uh, it really is just the nostalgia holding the game up. Like I played a lot of trash when I was younger, like for sure. Yeah, we all but, did. There's this, um, there's this one game in particular that nostalgic trash for me that comes to mind, and I'm trying, I'm trying to like come up with a description for it because I guarantee neither of you have ever heard of it. It was like a dollar bin game. Called Start Egg- the name out. It was called Eggmania. <laughs> that sounds like a mobile game. <laughs> That's so, so it, bad. it was a Game Boy Advance and PS1 game. Oh no. <laughs> I believe it was identical on both platforms. Oh no. And uh, you played. It was like a weird Tetrisy sort of thing, where you played as these eggs, and there were tet- Tetronimo blocks falling from the sky, and you had to stack them up such that they would build a stable tower until you reached a hot air balloon, and you would do that against an opponent. And you just had to do that like 10 or 20 times, and then you beat the game. Does, uh... I'm oddly nostalgic... Speaking of nostalgic trash, I'm oddly nostalgic for those plug-and-play television games. Oh, yeah. Those are loose quotations. Those were... Like... Uh, Did you have the SpongeBob one where his nose is the joystick? Yes, I, I did, wanted actually. that so bad as a kid. I've <laughs> it was never, garbage. I've never played it. I wanted it so much. I it's it's weird because we all have this shared experience. I I can't speak for Amid, but I know Connor and I grew up kind of poor. Yeah, <laughs> but we have this shared experience of getting a game <laughs> completely. Like it, it'd be your one game for like the you month. Devoured that game. Yeah. yeah, you devour <laughs> this game. Even oh, if it was, like, bargain bin PGA tour. This stupid game, um... God, I can't even remember what it's called. I still have it. It's about a cricket, and it was a, uh... It was Zapper. Zapper was what it was called. You played as a cricket, and it was a Frogger clone. And my dad just came home from work one day. He must have picked it up for, like, five bucks or something and handed it to me, and I played this game so much, and it was... 
I mean, I don't even think I could... I couldn't play it for five minutes now. It was so terrible. Yeah, I feel but, like... But I'm left nostalgic for that time, because now, like, you know, I have a high-paying job, and, like, I can buy whatever game I want, and I sit here and I stare at my hundreds of Steam games and just yeah. do nothing. Like, yeah. I, I don't... Like, despite... Okay, so I'm firmly of the belief that gaming has only gotten better. I know that's probably oh. very controversial to a lot of people. Uh, yeah, but but I, I really, agree. I, I, I believe, agree. yeah, I believe objectively gaming has just improved and improved. However, I will say that despite the slew of high quality games that I've played, some of which are my favorite of all time, I don't think any of those have really instilled the same sense into me that like, say, Banjo-Kazooie did. And I think that's strictly because of the nostalgic factor. Like, what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think I'm creating nostalgia now. Like, I don't think 20 years from now I'll be nostalgic for things that I'm playing now, if that I makes disagree. sense. I disagree. I mean, I'll never... I'm already nostalgic for Outer Wilds, for instance. Like... Really? Yeah, that game. Yeah, that's I pretty, played that game soon. a year ago, and that takes yeah. me back immediately. I honestly... Uh, I haven't replayed it yet, but I bet I will feel a great deal of nostalgia when I replay Final Fantasy XV or Dragon Quest XI. I don't think it's necessarily time of your life you play it. I think it's more emotional impact. And when yeah. you're younger, everything <laughs> everything's world-shattering to you. So that emotional impact is a lot easier to get. Yeah, I, I will say now, like if young me who only knew kind of garbage games that you could find at bargain bins and the occasional good classic were, if you were to hand him a copy of red dead redemption two, which I don't think would have ever happened. I, I probably would have died. <laughs> like I would have, I, I can't explain the feeling that I would have felt, but I, I probably would have just like collapsed and you know what else buried. Kinda- kind of contributes to what you were saying earlier about like sucking the marrow out of a game mike is that uh and this doesn't happen to me anymore at all because i play mostly digital games and on pc but there's something to be said for being a kid and sitting down and turning on your gamecube and you're just going to play whatever game was already in that gamecube <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and uh I, I don't have that anymore you know i uh you also had all the time in the world to finish games. Exactly, and you never would. <laughs> yeah, no, I still don't finish games. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, I feel like that's the opposite for me. Like, back in the day, I would beat games over and over and over again. See, I, I remember, I think the only game I really remember beating as a kid is Super Mario Sunshine and Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. I think the first game I ever beat and like actually rolled credits on was Wind Waker, and that was because I had the Prima Strategy Guide. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I think we might be talking younger than you, Ahmed, because I'm thinking like elementary school oh, into yeah, early no. middle school. I, I, where, I'm like, talking yeah. the same. Yeah, you have, yeah, infinite, like, there. Yeah, yeah. you have infinite time, and you'll never finish any of these games because you're terrible at them. <laughs> like, I do distinct... Yeah, go ahead. I, I think the first game I ever finished was actually Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, and I, wow. I have distinct memories of playing this game till like three or four in the morning. Did against you, so my by parents' it, wishes. Did you mean like finish the main story, or did you finish all the side stuff too? Uh, most of the side stuff. Because I, I remember like after you beat that game, you get slammed with those ninety-nine floor dungeons, and I was done. I think I cleared one of those. <laughs> I was not doing it. That's just too. Oh long. no! I played. I. If if there was an hour counter for that game, I easily would have put in about a hundred hours. Yeah, I, like every night, that'd be under the covers on your Game Boy Advance, playing that thing till you passed out, basically. Oh yeah. Okay. See, I I actually had the one on the DS. 
Uh, good games. When I emulated, I typically go to the Game Boy Advance one, though, because uh, it didn't really add anything. Yeah, it's just different Pokemon. Yeah. So, uh, all this talk of nostalgia, something just bubbled up, a memory that I have not thought of in for decades, like literally. Uh, an N64 game that I used to play all the time but was never able to beat, I think it was called Bugs Life 3D. Right? Oh my it was God. based off the movie, right? Oh, okay. I was, gonna was say, I was thinking it was uh, one of Rockstar's old games because they had something like that. No, no like it was space. it was based off like the the Bugs Life movie. And Dude, I distinctly I, remember yeah. playing as like Flick, the main like ant character, yeah. and like chucking berries around. And I just remember it being the most difficult game ever. Like I can't even fathom how many hours I put into that. And like there's like I didn't even get close to beating it. But Dude, I just it might have actually been really hard back yeah, then. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds could, like it could have been. Like, early era Disney games. Every single one of those games was, like, impossible. <laughs> they they did that on purpose, so that you couldn't complete it in, like, what was the standard rental time? Like, seven days? Yeah, See, it was it's, a, it was it's inter- Like, I wonder now, like, is it just me being incompetent? When I, although I don't think That's I was game. that incompetent at video games when I was little. I feel like I was pretty good at them. Like, I, it, I would beat games. I was. Now, well... Never blame yourself. It's always the Disney game. Yeah. My most nostalgic gaming time comes from before I could read, actually. Like, I remember wow. playing Pokemon Ruby and, like, couldn't, could not, fi- like, I knew all the Pokemon's names because I watched the show, but I, uh, I couldn't, um, I couldn't figure out how to catch a Pokemon because I couldn't read the inventory. It's kind of wild that you can remember a time before you can read. I feel like my oh, memories started memories before I could read. Yeah, I wow. remember being my. Uh, I remember begging my parents to teach me to read because I had a bunch of. I had a Bionicle board game I wanted to play. <laughs> I made it I know was, how to play it. I was capable of reading, fairly okay. I think I was five when I could fully read. Yeah, I didn't like learn that. to read until kindergarten. My parents didn't teach me like yeah, at all. I, yeah. I was taught well before that, a good bit before that. But, like, I have distinct memories of that PlayStation 1 startup sound. Oh, yeah. That, that's a, that's it, a great it just, noise. It's different. There's a reason emulators have an option to play that, you know? It's it's such a good sound. It just fills your ears. For, for me, it's the PS2 startup sound, because I never had a PS1. Oh, for but me, like, it's the GameCube. All, well, the, all those sounds yeah. are nostalgic. All those sounds are great, yeah. We'll and be nostalgic for the Switch click in no time. I'll tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I I genuinely hope I start getting nostalgic for things that I played, like, high school and after, because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that's uh, weird to me. I like, hope I'm not wild is nostalgic just jaded. To me. I mean, I, maybe we're just thinking of it differently, because, like, I love Breath of the Wild, and I think of it very fondly, but I wouldn't say I'm nostalgic for it, you know? like I, I definitely am, but I also, I don't know. I mean, looking at this past year... Like, people talk about online being nostalgic for early 2020, like, different phases of the pandemic, you know? Like, different fads that happened. And I think I think that there's a case, like, that there's definitely a study to be done into, like, what was it about this time, like, this year that allowed people to be nostalgic for something that was so recent. Yeah, I, I think we might just be slightly defining nostalgia differently because for me like nostalgia elicits like a strong emotional response yeah i mean yeah breath of the wild elicits a very strong emotional like hearing the tarrytown music yeah and like really really any of the soundtrack to that game maybe i'm just a a more uh more in touch with my emotions and maybe that's that's very possible 
But one interesting thing I was just thinking of, right? Like, okay, so kids today, right, playing, let's, for example, Fortnite, right? Like, I feel like so much of the fact, like, and obviously this is heavily biased, but a, a strong part of the nostalgia for me back in the day was just, like, the really strong mascots people had. You know, Mario, Ratchet, Jack, you know, Crash, Sly Cooper, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. And when I'm nostalgic, like... Part of the reason I feel like I'm so nostalgic is because of characters like Banjo-Kazooie, because of Jack and Daxter. You don't really have, like, prominent mascots today outside of, like, Mario and, I guess, the Zelda, or... I mean, you're you're missing part of the formula, I think. Because, like, so, character and music, I think we've talked about, but, like, there's an element of, like, location, too. Like, there are are people, like, when I think of my... Uh, nostalgia and maple story i'm nostalgic for alinea specifically the the wizard town i'm nostalgic for henesis yeah and like people are already nostalgic for old Fortnite maps that aren't around anymore like yeah you know th- those i've seen videos n- of people being nostalgic about old Fortnite maps so like i don't think i don't think you're wrong that they're missing out on those characters and all but like people will be people will see minecraft steve and be nostalgic even though that's like a first-person game, people will see Jonesy from Fortnite because he's their mascot. God, yeah, the the it's been weird because I think the era of mas- of major console mascots is gone. I agree with that. Yeah. People just stopped caring. Like, can, I can't name a mascot from the N64 era. I mean, other things still now, right? Like back then, that was a, the very lucrative. Yeah. Now it's yeah. not. Back. Back like in the era of big console mascots, I think the N64 era that was the last bit of big mascots for brands. Yeah, people were Gex yeah. and Croc and and uh, I mean and you know, PlayStation tried to copy Nintendo right and, and they, to, to great they success. Do have you know, some like, good mascots. Oh no, yeah. no, they did it successfully. Like Ratchet is iconic and Crash is iconic. And to me, Jack and Dexter are iconic. Like, name more than one Xbox mascot. <laughs> I mean, Master Chief, but the Dovahkiin. Dovahkiin, eh? Is that? A, but that's Skyrim's on everything. Yeah, Skyrim's on everything. No, that doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's the guess, what's the little the little dude in Fallout? That's gonna a be a Ferrari for Forza. Uh, yeah. No, before Forza, it was like Project Gotham Racing or something. Ori, Ori is a mascot. Yeah. Yeah, but. You don't see a mascot selling con about Ori selling consoles. They will stick Master Chief on that thing. Like, hey, we're releasing a new Halo. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that, that's all we that, got. I mean, that's and uh, that's a great point, and it still speaks to how powerful that those mascots that were created back in the day are today, right? Like, you're for Microsoft's E3 brief. Like, Master Chief is front and center on that thing. Like, Master Chief still is synonymous with Xbox, right? And like. You know, right now, at least, you know, because Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart is imminent, you see Ratchet's face everywhere associated with PS5. So uh, these characters were are still great and still have yeah. selling power. Yeah, I think there's something to be said with that about millennial culture as well. And uh, our general, I don't know about you guys, I identify as millennial to, more than I do I mean, Gen Z. I am I mean, millennial yeah, uh, by I'm most definitions. Like a late-term millennial. Yeah, I'm like the latest. I was born in 96, so I'm like the latest you could possibly be and still be considered a millennial, but I definitely yeah. Yeah. relate more to their plight. But uh, 
our, our general unwillingness to part with things that we had when we were younger. You know, like I, I don't see generations before us. They don't have. They don't still watch the Pokemon cartoon, for instance. They're not talking know. about Pong. Uh, well, let me let me just. I, I feel like I disagree. I feel like generations before us, people are always nostalgic for things they grew up as a kid. Yeah. As they were kids, you know, like look at the original Star Wars, right? Like our parents' generation was obsessed with that, and that's why I guess we sort of know I about think it because of Star Wars is more of a millennial thing. Is it? Uh, uh, the first Star Wars. The vast majority of Star Wars have come out after millennials were born. Yeah, but like the nost- this nostalgia was in the generation before that. I feel like yeah, the Gen-, Gen X, it's I guess. Gen X, yeah. yeah. Gen My X is a really small generation that nobody cares about. So <laughs> I will. Uh, it's it's a weird <clears throat> tangent, but I will have in depth lore conversations about Marvel comics and Star Wars with my dad of all people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, can't. I don't. I always forget weird. Gen X even exists because my parents are boomers. I mean, it's interesting specifically with Star Wars and Marvel. I feel like those things started off with a bang right like they were everything when they came out and then like went quiet for many many years and just like now like within the past decade or so they blew up again right so there's like this connection now because like both the kids generation and the parents generation can experience the same like feeling of like hey this thing is huge now and you know we both love it yeah, I, there is a generation of like games that I'm not nostalgic for, and I don't think I ever will be. And I think everyone else is too. The the era where it was all cover shooters and it was all shades of brown. Oh, I don't care at all. Yeah, the only was, one of those games worth playing is um, Gears of War. I hear is good. Haven't played it. And Gears um, of War is good. Uncharted. Yeah, I I don't actually Uncharted never was too bad about the shades of brown thing, so yeah. I don't know if I include it. I feel like Uncharted it was, was pretty colorful, but I think it 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 is a you know a chest high. Yeah, it's a 3D for, cover shooter, shooter, but I feel like it yeah. was the beginning of us breaking away from that trend. Yeah, shades of brown was before cover shooter because Gears of War was never in shades of brown. Gears of War was in shades of gray. What's uh, that? Um, uh, Resistance. Gears Resistance. Of War. Yeah. Uh, Those were all. What's those that games. game that Call like it has white? Time. The famous white phosphorus scene uh spec ops the line yeah yeah that game that, that game is in my opinion the only brown cover shooter worth playing like yeah if you play that one you got you got it you, it you was it was a weird era because we had just entered the era of consoles being capable of beautiful hd and or, i yeah i think people like tried to be gritty and realistic like everyone, they heard like everything was brown they heard like hd was possible it was like okay we're gonna make like this dirty town as brown as possible there was like, not yeah i we mean this, finally this may be a hot take that. but i i feel like it was partially and just like to normalize the war in iraq and afghanistan maybe you know maybe yeah that could be a part of it except I mean, for spec I, ops the line that didn't normalize anything no no because spec ops the line was criticizing all of those games that i mean you, you're not going to convince me that call of duty is not you know Oh no, Call of Duty is a it, it is a propaganda, propaganda machine. machine. It's a really fun propaganda machine, but it's a propaganda machine. I, I always I love playing shooters, but I, I can realize that they're just propaganda machines. That doesn't yeah. make it less cool. Yeah, speaking of Call of Duty, like uh Halo three, you know, which oh. uh I, I, I feel like Halo three is the limit of my current nostalgia sphere. Like I think everything after Halo three, like obviously there's Things that I love, things that I love more obviously than things I'm nostalgic for, but I wouldn't say I'm nostalgic for them. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm. I think the 360, PS3, Wii generation is like the edge of nostalgia right now. 
Yeah, I definitely uh I feel something when I hear uh anything from the Little Big Planet soundtrack. Yeah, it's because I think that's the last that was the last generation of our innocence, I guess. <laughs> like yeah, by the and, time that generation was coming to a close, we were all in college and we had lost all all that innocence and free time. But we'd also kind of seen how bad it can get. The Wii U was out. <laughs> yeah, the Wii U had come out. The new next generation of consoles were the about next generation to come out. of consoles came out, and they didn't look that much better than the one before them. Like, I don't know. Like, it uh, speaking to that. Like, I feel like it always takes time, right? Like at at the beginning, yeah, it's just like a souped up PS3 or souped up Xbox or whatever. But then, like a few years in, I think the difference is pretty palpable. Yeah, yeah but like the Wii was not a souped up GameCube. The Wii was like revolutionary uh, yeah, yeah nintendo's like, the the ps3 was not yeah. a souped up ps2 like the ps3 looked way better than the ps2 yeah i've been i've been like looking through older games and how what good they look especially from that era of the 360 sure they like the textures are low res and everything looks kind of blurry but it, that's about it i Just do low have res textures strong nostalgia for the absolutely hideous like nintendo polygons oh yeah even though, like, pretty objectively, they're very ugly, but, like... What, like, N64? Yeah, N64 graphics in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. Looking, at, looking at Ocarina of Time. As oh, like, Ocarina of Time is... It's, it's kind of like scratching your eyes with a fork. Speaking but, of game yeah. that day, Ocarina of Time didn't age well. No, but I still I, love it. I mean, I mechanically, I think it aged pretty well. Visually, no, not at all. Mechanically, I mean, it, it I, I would argue... Well. I don't think of a single. I don't. I can't think of a single N64 game that aged well visually. Oh, I, I would still argue. really like the way Super Mario 64 looks. I like. I like Super Mario 64 more than I like Super Mario 64 DS visually. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. I still think those. Like, I think by our eyes today, like, like obviously, like something like Wind Waker will always look good to me. Uh, yeah, just because of the art style, but like, yeah, I don't think any games with like an evergreen art style were a thing in N64 because everyone was just thinking, figuring out 3D graphics for the first time. So, yeah, you yeah. also couldn't do something like cell shading. You didn't have the yeah. resources. True. Um, I really like. Uh, I still like original Spyro. I think it's pretty evergreen. Like, y- you can't put it next to Reignited and tell me that it looks better than Reignited, but. As far as just existing, I think it still looks pretty good. Yeah, all three. Yeah, of them. dude, I feel like I I feel like I missed out sometimes. I really do, because like I mentioned before, like Final Fantasy VII, like no attachment to that. I hadn't played Spyro when I was a kid. I totally missed that. That's really I, sad. That's why I you actually like so much. I actually totally missed uh, Ratchet and Clank too. Yeah, like so I only I. I only got into Ratchet and Clank after PS3. And so, like, there are definite, like, holes where I could have had strong nostalgia. But, you know, I'll take what I can get. You know, like, when I hear like, Grant Kirkhope's uh, Banjo-Kazooie music, like, it instantly transports me back. Because, I, like, I can envision, like, Spiral Mountain, like, every single polygon of that, like, <laughs> is seared into my memory. Like, I, I can recall it like that, right? And I think that speaks to what you were saying. Like, I think the three... At least when it comes to games, the three biggest pillars of nostalgia are character, uh, music, and location. Like those three things combined, basically create a memory. I think strong. Yeah, I mean it's kind of funny. I can see vividly in my head some of these game locations, almost clearer than I can see my childhood bedroom. Like, yeah, which is where I was playing them. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with that hundred percent. Like I, I think 
I was streaming Mass Effect recently because I have been, and I was I was kind of admiring like the upscaling on the first game in the Legendary Edition, and I found a screenshot of like the first game. I without even like studying the screenshot, I was able to know exactly where the screenshot was and recreate the screenshot to a T. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, and it's interesting because like video games are like interactive, right? Unlike other media, so it really does like you feel memories of like being there. You know, you like you form memories of your yourself being there. That's, yeah, that's why these memories persist for so long. I yeah, feel I can, it's, it's super hard to be nostalgic for a movie or something that you just have watched. Yeah, I I feel nostalgia for show like I I think the term comfort show gets thrown around a lot now, and I I have a few shows that are like. The, when I start watching them, I get thrown back to where I was yeah. when I first watched them, and that that means something to me. But it's nowhere near as strong as a video game, which is much closer. Yeah, yeah you know, like I, the tier goes like visiting, you know, visiting my childhood home, way way up at the top. Then like pretty far below that would be playing an old video game from when I was a kid, yeah. and then like hand touching the floor is like anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it goes, like, at least in terms of entertainment, video games at the top, I would actually put books at number two. Oh, like, yeah, books I, are, I don't I don't reread books much, but I do derive nostalgia from them. Like, yeah, I, I don't read much nowadays, but, like, the books I have read, like, vivid, I have vivid memories of reading those for the first time. And then I would, eh, TV and movies are kind of tied at third, I think, for me. I, I get, I get, um... I do get nostalgic when I, I see some of the books on my shelf, but the place they take me back to does not make me happy because I read the most reading I did as a kid was typically during uh, standardized testing at school. Like, yeah, yeah, that's about when it happened. You'd be <laughs> done not... with the test, and then four hours later, you'd be the final person would be done so you could go about your day. Yeah, I don't want to be taken back to those times. I remember in like element, early elementary school, like I, I became obsessed with reading, and I think what's what started it was reading Harry Potter for the first yeah, time. Same. Uh, read that, and then I just suddenly started reading everything, and I just, yeah, it, it was an insane amount for a kid to read. But I, I, I remember that time very well. I read a lot only because I wanted to be at the top of the the reading leaderboards. Oh yeah, those leaderboard yeah. things. We had like AR tests or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, remember so that. We, yeah. I I was like top ten usually because I just yeah. Me and my buddy Brock, we, I went to a fairly small school. I guess you did too, probably. But <laughs> I, uh, I was in a fairly s- sizable school in Morgantown. Oh, really? Okay, I forgot you didn't live out in uh out my in the boonies. My school was definitely definitely yeah, small in Charleston. My my high school was very small, and it was me and my or my my not my high school, my elementary school was elementary, very small. Yeah. And uh, I it was me, my buddy Brock, and my buddy John. Typically, were like the top three that I remember. I feel like my friend Kaylee had to be up there too, but I don't remember that. So she she might just not have taken the test actually, but I remember Brock and me Brock and I we were the ones that were competitive, and then John just didn't talk about it, and he would beat us both sometimes. Yeah, the key was to just get really good at skimming Harry Potter books. See, I, I just actually like reading the books. I I I, I took love the reading those books, man. As a novelty, oh. like because you know, like the thing they give you is like a gift card to a bookstore, and like that's neat and all, but libraries exist and we got to go bowling oh really <laughs> yeah no, it was it was a oh, gift yeah, card to I books think, a million I think, was what you would I, get for winning 
And, I sort uh, of remember like bowling as a reward too. Maybe I'm misremembering, but fire. That I, sounds familiar. I think <laughs> I think first place was like a fifty dollar gift card to Books a Million. Second place was a Pizza Hut gift card. So you wanted second place and not first. You place. wanted second place bad. Your parents <laughs> were gonna buy you those books, like yeah. obviously, like because the thing is, the kid who can afford enough books to win that competition does not need a fifty dollar Books a Million gift card. Like that's just my take. And also. Yeah. I don't know. Like, food and books are not a thing a kid wants because your parents are going to give you those two things, probably. Yeah, we got we got two bowling trips a year, and those things were fire. Dude, yeah. I, w- I was such a degenerate when I was a kid. Well, more of a degenerate than I am now. Like, I would have absolutely competed for that Pizza Hut coupon. Like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah, I did. I wanted, When I was yeah. little, I would, like, beg my mom to, like, no, don't cook home-cooked food. Take me to McDonald's or Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah, like, all the time. Like, same. I, I I think it was every Wednesday night my family would go – or not my family. It might have just been me and my dad, actually, because I don't think my mom liked it, but we would go to Pizza Hut for the buffet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Wait, are it, you it, is Emmett saying that you're no, you're not as much of a degenerate now as you used to be? I only got worse. I got better. I like, for sure I got better. Like I, I cook all my own food now. I mean, I cook my food, but I went from, like, a well-adjusted human being to, like, a goblin. What happened? What did I do to myself? I don't know, man. Like, I... Taco Bell did it to you. I, I, I mean, I'm no longer there. Oh, I like, didn't know that. Okay. I have extremely fond childhood memories of Golden Corral. Okay? <laughs> Me too. All right. I, I'm yeah, throwing I, that out there. I have a friend who went... We went to Golden Corral... And they, like, have the, the like, quote-unquote steak section, right? Oh, God, I remember that, dude. Like, that was where I had my first steak. <laughs> he went up, and yeah, we're, like, little kids at this point, and the only steak he'd ever had was filet mignon, so that's what he asked for, and they laughed at him. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, good thing I don't have to de- didn't have to deal with that, because I think the Golden Corral in Morgantown opened up when I was, like, middle school. Yeah, like, it took me a surprisingly long time to realize, like, how trash people thought Golden Corral was. Like, I thought it was, like, totally normal to be like, hey, let's go to Golden Corral. <laughs> yeah, my mom people would just, like, look at me weird. Dude one time, and we never went back. All all, uh, all the OGs remember Ponderosa. I don't. That's, that's sad. That's uh, Emma, sad are you going life. to the one in Cross Lanes? What's that? Were one in Cross Lanes? Cross? No, yeah. no, there was one in Charleston, I think. Yeah, okay, I don't remember that. Actually, wait, wait a minute. I, wait, now that I think about it, I do remember we had to drive for an unusually long time. Yeah, to get to cross lanes, yeah. So maybe it wasn't cross lanes. Yeah, that's hilarious. I yeah. have memories of a place called Ryan's. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <clears throat> all the way in Clarksburg. God, this has gone off the rails. It really has. We just got very nostalgic. <laughs> Golden Corral. It, it hits, dude. I. <laughs> Anybody remember when McDonald's, uh, going back to gaming, had N64s in their play places? I don't remember that. I remember GameCube, uh, but they didn't have one in Cross Lanes where I grew up. They had one. Yeah, in, I don't remember this at all. Might there have been was one in thing? Morgantown. They had like N64s. The hospitals also had N64s because I spent a lot of time in that hospital lobby because of my sister. Yeah. Dude, they have VR rigs there now. Yeah, no now way. it's all cool. Now they get cool stuff. Dude, I can only imagine, like, imagine you're a kid growing up now and, like, VR. You experience VR when you're, like, eight years old. 
Like, imagine that, like, as a 26-year-old, right? Like, looking back on that as your, like, first gaming memory. Like, God, how insane must that their be? Their expectations are just going to be so... Mate, you know, <laughs> back when we were kids, when a, if a game was broken, <laughs> we dealt with it. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were no patches. fixed. <laughs> There were no patches back in the day. And I'm, I'm, I'm remembering it. Games were just as broken on launch as they are now. We're just no, more no, no, aware no, no, of no, how no. I will disagree with that. I feel like games like I feel like games back then at least were playable, right? Like I feel like some games today like are launched and you literally can't even play them without the day one patch. That never happened in my experience. I mean, Pokemon Red and Blue is held together by hope, prayer, and duct tape. Yeah, but it's playable. It's very playable. I did have a game as a kid that was unplayable. Uh, I actually, like, I bought it, and I put it in my computer, and it did not run. Like, and it wasn't my computer's fault. I've I've looked online, and this was actually a really common problem. And they just, they sold it anyway. It was uh, Lego Island. Lego Island. Yeah, it's a really famous, uh, a lot of of people really love that game. And I think that I would if I got to play it. I bought it at a TJ Maxx. That's the first mistake. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, uh, it was that, or my mom would have to hear me whine for hours about being in a TJ Maxx. Yeah, everywhere used to sell games. Like, you could buy games at any store. I remember buying a game at a Rite Aid one time, I'm pretty sure. Like, you generally, they were all garbage, but... I remember Toys R Us. Like, Toys R Us was the big one for me. Dude, I remember... Isn't that where you got your Switch from? You could, yes, that is where I got my switch from. I remember we were joking that you had yeah. like literally punched a toddler or something <laughs> to get a switch at Toys R Us. I don't Us. know about that. But. When Toys R Us was closing, they started like digging up like stuff that had gotten lost in the warehouse, and there was like some insane retro stuff you could buy. <laughs> yeah, that you could probably resell for much more. Also, I made bank. Uh, I didn't make bank. I bought a lot of batteries from Toys R Us when they were closing because they were selling them for like 50 cents just trying to yeah. get rid of them. And now they're yeah, back open again. They're, Are they really? Aren't they like a yeah. virtual store only or something like that mm, now? I think something happened to them. It, they're, I think they're they're back. Like, it's like weird. Like you order virtually and like they ship it from their warehouse, which like totally destroys the... I mean, like why not just use Amazon? Yeah. Like Boys. Toys R Us used to be the place to go when you were a kid, because you'd go there and you'd be like, "Woo, Toys yeah. R Us! Look at all this." Actually, I, re- I, I yeah. was a video game kid. I honestly didn't play with toys much. Like, I, after I, mean, I, like got I, my... I went to Toys R Us for games. Yeah. Yeah. After I got my SNES when I was like five, I don't think like it was all video games, and with the exception of like Bionicles. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I was uh, into Connects as a kid, not Legos, but Connects. I don't even know if you guys know what those are, but wow! And me, me and Mike were here trying to claim the poor kid status. <laughs> I had a strange childhood. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Toys R Us is back, but the last two Toys R Us is closed due to COVID. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, they opened up, and then COVID happened, so they closed. Bad luck. Yeah. God, my ex girlfriend begged me to buy Jeffrey. What? The giraffe. <laughs> you didn't. He was like, it was like an eight, eight. It was somewhere between eight and twelve feet tall, and they were selling it. And I, I did not Why? buy it. You could have bought it. That, yeah, that would. I know. I could have spice up your suburban lawn. Mike, I have heard every argument in favor of buying Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's called True Kids now. I do not regret not buying Jeffrey. Yeah, 
No, specifically Toys R Us. I distinctly remember going there with my parents uh, and like looking at the N64 games and the Game Boy games. Like those were the days. Like even though like the N, I feel like N, my N64 tastes were largely good. Like I played Mario, I played Banjo, I played Donkey Kong, those sort of things. There just weren't that many games that you need. There, there weren't that many must-play games on the N64. Yeah. Like I own most of them. Like it's when I get to like Game Boy and PS2 that my like I, I was like only playing licensed games with the rare exception. Like I played Jack and Daxter on PS2, and like you know obviously you know Pokemon on Game Boy. But like I was playing a lot of like Dragon Ball games and like dude. Some of those like licensed that. Dragon Ball games were good though. Some of them were excellent. Like uh, Legacy of Goku. Yes, uh, Legacy of Goku one, two, and three. I replayed those so much, dude. Like I can't even tell you. Like, I've never played them. I just know that they're well liked. Yeah, they were great. I remember, like, this one, like, Game Boy Yu Yu Hakusho game that was kind of in the style with Final Fantasy Tactics, and I loved that game, dude. I played it so much. I don't even remember what it's called now. Maybe just, like, Yu Yu Hakusho Spirit Detective or something. But, yeah, lots of... And maybe... So, maybe not all trash, but, like, there was definitely a lot of trash involved in those days. But, you know, I look it up on it all quite fondly. I, I definitely went through a really bad trash phase. Uh, the... The one I remember most was uh, immediately after seeing the Iron Man movie in, like, what, 2008 or whatever? Yeah. I uh, I went to GameStop and bought... Uh, I, 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 or no, I went home that night and I watched a bunch of reviews of the Iron Man video game. Uh, or not reviews. I watched the developers talking about it because that came up before the reviews when I Googled it. And they were, like, talking about how much love went into it and how much work went into it. But they were talking about the Xbox 360 version. Mm-hmm. But I thought the Wii version must be exactly the same. <laughs> right. And so I went to GameStop, and I I actually, the employee tried to stop me from buying it. God. He said, this is a bad game on Xbox, and it's terrible on the Wii. And I looked at my dad and said, but I want it. Yeah. <laughs> and I did get it, and I am nostalgic for that game as well. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it was really bad. Yeah, dude, no, at that age, you're nostalgic for everything, good, bad, or everything in between. That's why... You just uh, are kind of in for it. Star Fox Adventures will always be a triple <laughs> S-tier game to me. Understand? See, I, I played that game as a kid. I had that on my GameCube at the time, and I played it a lot. And me and my dad both hated it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe... Okay, so... Do you think maybe because your dad hated it, you hated it? No, because he, he he gave up on it long before I did. Okay. I mean, it probably contributes a little bit, but I, I was old enough to have opinions, I think. Yeah. I remember my dad just whining so much every time uh, I had to go to that temple that was, like, really dark that you had to have, yeah. like, the fireflies for. Because even if you had the fireflies, it was still really dark. It didn't really help. What a great game. <laughs> if it had come out on the N64, I think it'd be remembered very differently. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think it would have been a slightly worse Ocarina of Time if it came out on the N64, but because it waited until GameCube, the competition was much fiercer, and it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nostalgia's great, but it I I'm I can't even name games I'm nostalgic for because there's so many that I've played, and yeah. I can't pinpoint them. I'm extremely susceptible to nostalgic marketing, like uh, like like the Battlefield oh, like trailer. those '90s commercials. No, I'm just thinking like, uh, like, dude, like oh Sonic God. Generations, for instance, like that entire game 
is just nostalgia. And, like, there was no world in which I don't buy a game in which I get to play City Escape again. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and like, what the you... Spire Reignited trilogy, I'm actually less susceptible to it now because I'll, like, like, when Destroy Humans, the remake, came out, I was like, that's really cool. And then I went upstairs and I got on my PS2 and I played Destroy Humans. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the same game. Dude, I distinctly remember, this just popped in my brain, too, uh, when you were talking about nostalgic marketing, this VHS tape that I have that uh, was like a preview of Banjo-Kazooie. And, oh. like, it would go through each of the levels yeah. and, like, show you a little bit about them and, like, show gameplay and stuff. And I must have watched that VHS tape hundreds of times. Like, I remember just watching that thing over and over again. I like, remember... Even- even after yeah. I got the game, I would watch that thing. Yeah, I when I got my GameCube, I got two things with it. I got the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, and I got the game, uh, the GameCube preview disc. I'm pretty sure, which had it had a couple of Game Boy Advance demos on it. If you had a link cable, and it had like a, a demo for Beautiful Joe, and a demo, a playable demo of Beautiful Joe, a playable demo of Sonic Adventure DX. And then it had video demos of Metroid Prime, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, and uh, that might be it. But anyway, I had Wind Waker. I had played the game, and I still watched that demo yeah. over and over and over. Because I, just, I don't know something about I think it was just good. It was a good, well-made ad. I just yeah. liked it. You're a kid. These things are supposed to make you feel good when you watch them, and it did. And so I watched it over and over. I, yeah. I ended up buying. I, I own all those games now that were on that demo disc. Uh, because they're all because they're all really good games. Uh, for one thing, well, Sonic Adventure, God willing, uh, all of the rest of them are actually very good games. Yeah. Yeah, dude, Sonic. Yeah, I definitely have a uh, strong affinity for Sonic Adventure One and Two that I now realize. Like, I feel like I know we disagree on Adventure Two, but I feel like both of them are kind of trash. I, but, I have very little nostalgia for Sonic Adventure. Uh, I played it a lot less. I, I still have extremely strong nostalgia for Sonic Adventure 2. And I, I replay both of them like once a year. Just to, yeah. just so that I can stand firm in my assessment that like Sonic Adventure 1 is not that bad. And Sonic Adventure 2 is still a pretty good 3D platformer. Yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget uh, my friend orally describing the Sonic lore to me on that soccer field. I was watching a video today where somebody was trying to, uh, or no, I was listening to a podcast where somebody was trying to talk about how revolutionary it was that um, Grand Theft Auto Five tried to tell a story from three perspective, tell the same story from three perspectives, and like you got to choose which one you played <laughs> and in what order. And I was sitting there getting heated, like thinking, oh, they were ten years late to it, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> like, Sonic Adventure did it first and maybe better. That's that's an unrelated topic, but like I don't understand why why does GTA five consistently like sell in the top five of every year? Like it's just it's okay. It's, it's almost ten years old now. It's almost nostalgic. <laughs> People are gonna be nostalgic for the first past live service game, and I G- hate it. GTA five is getting released on next gen consoles this year. Yep. Like that's still happening. People are going to buy it, too. Who, that game's been given away for free Who doesn't a have time. GTA 5 at this point? 
There's people who are going to buy it three separate times. That's probably true. Because they're going to stop updating it on PS4, Xbox There are people who have already bought it three times. You, you could have bought it on original original consoles, then it later released on PC, and then it later released on Xbox One and PS4. Listen, yeah. we were giving Skyrim crap for releasing on literally everything, but I feel like we should be looking at GTA V. Oh, Honestly, I agree. I, I think, think GTA V is far more egregious. GTA V might be a very unique case in that, like, I think it's it's one of the best, like, the most supported games in history. This this game has been present, and not only present, but prominent across three console generations now. It still looks <laughs> really good, too. Like, I, I played it the other day, because I, I played it the other day, because I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but a fan fixed their loading times for them. Yeah, no, they, they couldn't fix it themselves, but a fan's like, oh, this is a simple code Yeah, fix. and suddenly it's like a playable game again, and so I, I re-downloaded it and played it yeah, a because I, 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 I always thought it was fun, but, like, at some point, I only have an hour to play video games. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes of them waiting for the game to load. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I, with the, yeah, go ahead. Uh, like, I think the fan got 10K or something like that. Yeah, he, he got a decent amount it. of money considering how little work it took to do this. Yeah, it was like a three-second <laughs> fix. I don't think it was three seconds, but I think it was, you know, even 10K, you know, if I if I spent a couple hours, you know, I, you know, I think 10K is fair. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. G- yeah. I, I don't get I don't get the GTA 5 hype, but clearly I everyone mean, else does. GTA Online is still consistently fun, in my opinion, other than the grind. And like I've been able to mostly avoid it by like having but it, it. How is it? It's still that fun after 10 years, though. Well, I've, like, I really? never played it that consistently. So like. I don't know. Whales, whales will be whales. You know, they'll they'll keep buying. Yeah. If if I mean, if Mobinogi had not gone totally off the rails, I don't doubt that I would still be playing that game right now. Like, and I look at World of Warcraft. You know, people have been playing. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, like, there's something I guess to be said about like a creator or developer's ability to not only have something nostalgic but have it be so consistently supported and so good that it's relevant even to the people that are nostalgic for it like now it's it's relevant across generations is it? yeah i think I it's fascinating to look at something like runescape where their goal was never to be nostalgic but like at some point they crossed that line and they had to appeal to that audience as well neopets faced the same problem recently um neopets is trying to modernize to sell to you know kids now who are not going to play the crappy yeah, <laughs> browser games and stuff that we played, and I think which I, I think am deeply nostalgic for. For RuneScape, at least, I feel like the I, isn't the old school RuneScape audience bigger than the new RuneScape audience. I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't that surprising. I I've heard bad things about new RuneScape, but yeah, uh, I believe Classic WoW is pretty big too. Yeah, Classic WoW is massive because for years fans have been running on official Classic servers, but. Yeah. Blizzard finally took notice that there's enough demand and released it. Like, well, they said for years that it was impossible. Like, yeah, they were I know. Lying. What they meant is that it was expensive, which it was. Yeah. You know, that's true. But it, yeah. it's, so, it's selling well. It's selling subscriptions. Speaking, speaking of Neopets, which I, I was the only one speaking of them, there's a fascinating video about the black market of um, <laughs> original uh, pattern Neopets that I think everyone should watch because it's wild. <laughs> Oh man, I'm I'm mad that we're no longer in the uh, era of weird console accessories. I don't think that's fair. I mean, Ring Fit exists. 
Yeah, but it's not up there with, like, the 32X or the Sega CD. I mean, Nintendo's still doing, like, weird experimental things. They have, like, those, uh, the the mar- virtual Mario Kart thing, like, where you yeah. set things up in the real world and, like, and I, race around. And I'd watch what you say about the 32X, Mike, because there are rumors that the Switch Pro is just a better dock. Oh, God. Dude, actually, I was, <laughs> I was thinking about that, because, like... The undo- the undocked mode is still 720p max, right? Like, yeah. yeah, I yeah, I feel like maybe the the chip is just an updated chip that can be overclocked or something when docked. I don't know. And that would be basically a 32x situation. Yeah, yeah. It's of course it's it's Nintendo or Sega. It feels like the only people crazy, the only like companies crazy enough to do. The nutty things of console accessories are Jap- are Japanese companies because I Microsoft doesn't do it. No, Microsoft's well, I mean, boring. Yeah. My, Microsoft had Connect, which so yeah, and there like, was like, to be fair. I do have some nostalgia for Connect, if I'm being perfectly honest. I mean, Microsoft, all of Microsoft's nutty things have just collapsed because they ha- first had the HD DVD attachment for the Xbox 360. Yeah. Guess what doesn't exist anymore. Dude, I remember thinking Connect was so cool and futuristic. Like, I would use that thing all the time. Like, to go through the UI and stuff, I would, like, swipe. You like, bought the hype. Yeah, I was so into it. <laughs> I really was. And I think, dude, Mass Effect 3, Mike, didn't that have Connect integration? It did. Ah, uh, yes. I didn't own a... Uh, Skyrim had Connect integration. Yeah, it did, own too, a yeah. Yeah, you could shout the shouts. And I, I had a mod so that I would have it on PC, because that's actually... That's actually a really good, like, quality of life improvement to be able to shout the shouts. Yeah, yeah but I feel I like guess, it's like it's a bit silly, <laughs> oppressive because I play games at weird times. Nice. Yeah, I was an only child, and I I had like a room far enough away from my parents' room that I could say whatever. Mine was fairly far, but it was at the same time I just didn't want to be bothered. Yeah, I mean, I liked it because like. I don't know, having two shots, you know, ha- not having to have a shout equipped was nice. Not having to go through a menu to use two different ones. Because, like, I-, I don't know, that was bad design in Skyrim. I'll throw it out there, because, like, you're fighting uh, you're fighting Alduin. You don't want Dragonrin to be your only shout. It's kind of annoying. Dude, like, Ald- just speaking of Alduin, like, I feel like, I don't even know if I ever got to that point in Skyrim. I always, like, with the Elder Scrolls games, just get so sidetracked and just get lost and do very intentional side things yeah finish the main story of skyrim because i knew if i didn't do it first i would never do it yeah i mean you know i have i have noticed though that japanese companies like to support their weird ideas a lot longer than microsoft will yeah that's oh, yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean they in general it's a, yeah, it's a difference mean, in mentality i think i think companies over there like once you come up with an idea they're very prideful of it and like you know yeah. want want to make it succeed whereas in in the U.S., I feel like if you know Microsoft or Google tries something, doesn't work out for after like two or three years, they're very willing to just scrap it. it and move on to the next thing. I know? mean, the only time we saw a company do that was Nintendo dropping the Wii U like it was like an angry baby. But yeah, even just, then, it was like around for like what five six years. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was around five, for five six least, years. Yeah. It dropped that thing like a rabid dog, though. It's gone. I'll say for anybody interested in like weird peripherals and uh. Like weird, even weird handhelds like the Nokia Engage that they supported for a weirdly long time. Everybody should look up the YouTube channel "Stop Skeletons from Fighting" because that's that's his bread and butter. He basically talks about weird, the weird and unnecessary. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well done. 
like we're finally out of that experimental era where everyone had their own peripheral idea and we're into an era where everything's very similar and it's like small or, alterations on a peripheral or maybe we're still in that era because PlayStation is really pushing VR and Nintendo's really pushing hybrid consoles and uh Microsoft might find something too, you know. I mean Microsoft stick is cloud cloud, yeah. They're yeah. not pushing peripherals though. They're pushing more functions, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think and it's not so much that, that they're pushing VR's peripherals peripheral. like all the weird stuff the PlayStation does is built into the controller. Like yeah. y- you don't have a choice. It's not opt-in. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I was thinking more VR like I think there is an argument there that the VR headset could be a peripheral, but like VR just opens up so many new avenues. It's like even if it's it, a yeah, peripheral, VR is a lot closer to another console than a peripheral. Yeah, but I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, you it, buy it a VR headset, it's literally just buying another console. Yeah, it's like a whole new experience, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, so was the so was the 32x actually. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I actually owned. I think I have two Sega CDs hidden somewhere. Really? I have two of them. Yeah, that's too. It's, it's I, I think like, I have one, but there might be another one somewhere in someone's possession. It there's a just to let them know there's a Sega CD somewhere in Morgantown that I own. Yeah, I've only seen a Sega Genesis in person one time. I, have I actually no have no nostalgia somewhere. for anything Sega except for Sonic. Like no, I did not even touch like a Sega console like pretty much the entire time I was a kid, which is crazy to me that I somehow avoided it. But it's uh, it's. It's not something that I yearn for at all. Yeah. Yeah, it the Sega the Sega Genesis was pretty cool, but most of my experience with Genesis games are not on a physical Genesis anymore. They were either through like re releases or emulation. Yeah. But it's it's a sad fate. They did a lot for peripherals. Nintendo tried, but they just couldn't compete with the thirty two X. And I made think- something that stupid. No, think, they did. They tried to do a N64 disk drive with Sony, and then Sony backed off and created a competitor. No, the disk drive was not with Sony. The uh, the the thing with Sony was that uh, they were going to make a Nintendo PlayStation. Like ah yes, that, that was a whole new console. Then the N64 DD actually released in Japan. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was part of like the development. Like originally, they were going to do a whole new console that had a disk drive, and then the deal with Sony fell through, so they went with Philips. And mm-hmm. as part with the the disk drive, uh, Nintendo properties got to be released on the 3DI for uh, better yeah, or for worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, you're you're telling me that Wand of Gamelon and what was the other one? Was it just Zelda's Adventure? Uh, hold on. What? Where was Morshu from? It was it was like Wand of Gamelon or something. Zelda CDI. I I don't remember what it was called. But are you telling me that Morshu isn't like a cultural touchstone? I am. <laughs> he he is. It's great. That whole <laughs> the one era. thing I guess maybe to sort of put a cap in this discussion uh, about nostalgia, like now, I feel like it's easier now than ever to sort of relive your nostalgia, right? Like, because like there was a period of time there was like where like emulation was your only sort of route forward. But, like, more and more, like, Nintendo's got the virtual console, Microsoft's got back compat across their entire family of generations, and even Sony's throwing, like, older games on the PlayStation Network again. Like, I feel like it's easier now than ever to 
relive your glory days, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think I that's agree. fair? Because like, definitely like, I think there was a period of time growing up where it really was like people didn't re like companies didn't revisit ideas, right? And I really feel like, at least in my head, I feel like when Star Wars Episode Seven came out, that's when like the dam broke and like people just started like remaking things and like revisiting old ideas and stuff. And like nostalgia really became marketable. I feel like star Wars episode seven was the thing to do it to me at least, but or at least something around that time, like people all of a sudden like kept revisiting old ideas and that never really stopped. Yeah. All right. Uh, any, any, uh, final thoughts on nostalgia? It sucks. (laughs) I mean, I collect retro games. I, yeah, I, I have a lot of thoughts on nostalgia, but I think we really captured most of it. Yeah, we, yeah. we really went on a tangent for about an hour or so. Yeah, I'm ready to move on to games we've been playing personally. I got a, I got at least two. Okay, uh, Mike, why don't you start us off? So first, I'm going to start with the 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 elephant in the 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 blocky elephant in the room. I I've been be- I've dove back into a Minecraft mod pack, and I've been playing through uh, Minecraft Eternal. Oh, there's a lot to do <laughs> in just the first like 20 so or so hours i feel like i put in i'm now a wizard vampire who has a small factory yeah that doesn't it's even sound like game. minecraft it sounds like a totally different game yeah it's 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 so bizarre like it's still in the framework of minecraft but i i have magic there are creepers that launch like rockets and i i can't stop it <laughs> It's, I had to buy a server box just to run this mod pack. Yeah. Like, you were telling me that, like, this pack contains, like, over 500 mods and it's, it was, like, over a gigabyte in size and, like... Yeah, it's, it's at, huge. Yeah, I, I feel like at that point it's just, like, it, it It must be, like, a different... It must feel like Minecraft 2, almost, or something Oh, it has 327 like mods in it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I just gotta count. But it's it's massive. And it, it the Minecraft pays for it in terms of like performance sometimes. Oh yeah, I mean Minecraft chugs with like any of the bigger mod packs pretty yeah, hard. It's it has enough variety to it that I mean it's great. Like I have permanent night vision now. <laughs> from being a vampire? <laughs> from being a vampire. Right. I rejected my humanity and now I don't need torches anymore. <laughs> so yeah, why don't you give us like Five big things that are different from vanilla Minecraft. You mentioned like vampires and stuff. There's vampires. It's most of the tech mods are in there. I think the dinosaur mods in there somewhere. Uh, it it follows a lot of quests. There's a whole quest system for it, so it'll it'll kind of guide you down a a certain mod pack. It's like here's how this mod pack works. Build these and you should be fine. Uh, there's rats. Mm. Lots You're of rats. losing me. <laughs> hey, but uh, there's dinosaurs and vampires too. So dinosaurs, kind of vampires, and rats. Well, the rats you could train. You could, uh, you could auto become the rat king. I have not dealt with rats yet, so I don't know what I could do with rats. This is a weird mod. Hey, there's a lot. There's. Yeah, it just sounds like a hodgepodge of things. I mean, it all kind of comes together. Like sometimes you'll come upon a village that's full of vampire hunters or vampires, or maybe it's full of plague. It's, does it have a? Does it have the alchemy mod? I always like that. EC two, I think it was called. 
Um, no, EE2. EC2 is a, an AWS, AWS thing I use at work. Yeah. <laughs> EE2, uh, equivalent exchange. I don't think it does. God, it is Soundcraft. Work. So it's... Like, everything's separated. The wizard mod's cool. Hey, it's really cool. Just the ability to, to be a wizard and find spellbooks lying around and experiment with it. Does it have Mistcraft in it? I was always partial to Mistcraft. Uh, I'm looking through the mod list. I don't think it does. Mistcraft is the one where you could like write a book and then like go into the book like it was another world. What? No. Yeah, it there, was like the like the old game Mist. There are a lot of like undead mobs lying around. There's so much new. He uses biomes of plenty, and there's a ton of different biomes full of different mobs. Yeah, for sure. It's. I, I, does it add like new dimensions and stuff like the Twilight oh, Forest or whatever? There's Twilight Forest. There's the Betweenlands. Uh, there's these monsters that will drag you into the midnight. Ooh. Uh, I hate the midnight. It's miserable. God, I wish. I wish you could play this stuff on console. All my friends that play Minecraft yeah. like a lot are on console. This, so I was just going to say this sounds absolutely wild to me because like most of my Minecraft playtime yeah, is on console. Yeah, I mostly play vanilla these days. Like the last time I played a big mod pack would have been high school, and it would have been uh like tech it three or something i think it was called or uh maybe feed the beast 3.0 yeah i feel like back in high school when i played minecraft it was so early on there really weren't any big mods yeah back in the early days of minecraft some of these mods just wouldn't exist and how complex they are yeah i mean yeah i mean they've really cracked cracked it wide open like i remember the early days of tech mods it was super hard for modders to uh, actually add custom functions to things because you had to do straight class edits before mod loader. Oh my god! And yeah. Forge. Like I remember uh, having to open the jar to stick uh, <laughs> to stick uh-huh. mods into yep, Minecraft. It's so hacky. It was awful. And then uh, I, I remember how revolutionary it was when you could finally just download a launcher and like you never had to actually manually mod again. I don't even know how to do Minecraft Forge mods anymore. Like, I know I install Forge and I throw mods in a mod folder, but it's so much easier now, I guess, to install mods. And the idea of playing Java Minecraft without Optifine is, like, blasphemous. Yeah. But there's there's so many mods. There's dragons. Like, I think there's a sleeping ice dragon out in the cold desert I'm next to. Wow. I, I haven't woke him up yet because I don't want to fight him. God, you're making me want to play this mod pack. Oh, it's it's huge. The server's there. I'm paying for it every month. I might have to check it out. Yeah, you might have to, like... Drop it in the Discord, Ryan would hop yeah. on, too, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I'll drop it after this. I'll have to whitelist everybody because it's whitelisted. Oh, uh, okay. That, okay. That's probably for the best. Oh, yeah. yeah if it's you, definitely for the best. If you, it's, you drop it it's, on the Discord, the fans can join in. It's it's a burly mod pack, and for me to start playing it, I literally have to launch Minecraft and then go about my day for a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a lot of mod packs. Those things take forever to load. Yeah, it it's not, and I'm loading these off an SSD, and it's still taking yeah. Five, it's it's not minutes. the SSD. It's probably limited by the speed of your RAM. Like more than likely. Yeah, it's these mod packs take forever. This mod like, pack eats eight gigabytes of RAM. I mean, also at the oh, end man. of the day, it is still Minecraft, which is kind of i mean minecraft java is it's still not it's still kind of sloppily written in java like yeah it was kind of crap to uh, scrape together yeah to kind of squeeze speed out of java you have to be very careful about a few things so but yeah uh the other game i've been playing and this is a complete 
360 is Going Medieval. Going Medieval? Going Medieval. I think it's called Going Medieval. Hold on. I gotta get the name right. Yeah, it's Going Medieval. It just launched into early access uh, the beginning of the month, so nine days ago. But it's RimWorld, except Medieval. Interesting. And right now in the early access, it feels very much like early access RimWorld, which I also played and enjoyed. And you basically build a medieval village and try not to die through raids right now. It's fairly simplistic, but there's a lot of promise in it. And I think it has a decent publisher. So I, are, are are the raids like NPCs or, or they're NPCs. You know, computers? Yeah. Yeah, they'll just come in. Maybe, maybe some bandits with like a, some swords and stuff will come in. I think I've had one so far, and I'm in the middle of the summer. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure it gets more difficult, but right now there's not enough in it that I'd wholly recommend it, but there's the potential of more. Because, again, it does feel like very early RimWorld, which was fairly bare bones before it became the story game that it is today. But the the appeal of games like Going Medieval and RimWorld, to a extent, Dwarf Fortress, is the stories that come out of their complexity. Yeah. Because Going Medieval also offers multi-layers, so you can build vertically, and it's kind of beautiful. It's semi-isometric 3D, so everything makes sense. And I, I can't describe much of it. I haven't played enough of it to really get into depth, but yeah, the most apt description is just medieval RimWorld. <laughs> you just have me dying for uh, the Door Fortress Steam version. Oh, I hope that comes soon. I need to get back into Door Fortress. It looks so good. <laughs> I'm just I not an early access guy. I have so much trouble uh, yeah, same. diving into these games because, like, I don't know. Even even the ones that get finished, like, I didn't talk about it too much when I did my uh, my talk about Subnautica, but that game was broken. Like, I, I turned up the field of view because the base field of view in the game was t- was way too small for me. And then, like, even like the giant leviathans that like were the most important thing in the game would like not be visible until I put them in the middle of my screen. Like they, they would disappear if I turned my head too far. Like sounds about right. Yeah, like these games don't always get finished, so I, I'm very hesitant to jump on a on a an early access game because like do I do I believe that someday they will release an update and claim it as a 1.0? Yeah, they probably will. Do I think the game's actually gonna be finished? Ugh. we'll see <laughs> yeah I, I who's the developer foxy foxel what have they released uh this is their first game but Not like valheim <laughs> like valheim before it i i have promise in this game well Val, valheim has like devolver behind them doesn't it no it's coffee stain oh that's even better like, e- way way better it's coffee stain well I, I actually devolver and game. coffee stain are probably about the same in my tiers of publishers i, I like them both quite a bit yeah, it's it has some jankiness to it right now, like process priority and just hauling priority is weird, and sometimes things don't get moved when they should. But I'm I'm fairly confident that they'll iron it out, and I only spent twenty bucks on it, so it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. I've already put most of the time. Oh, I already have three hours in it. That's surprising. Three. It's three hours. It's not very many. I have two saves in it, but it's. It's not a bad game. I I would put it on like a wish list and maybe keep watching it. Yeah. Because it's not quite to where RimWorld is yet. But RimWorld has been 
I, I bought into RimWorld before it even came on Steam. <laughs> like, yeah. six months before it went to Steam. But I would recommend. Cool. I can go next if you're done. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so um, I've been playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition. No surprise there. I had hoped to be into Mass Effect 3 by now, <laughs> so I could finish it uh, before Ratchet & Clank. That is certainly not going to happen. I'm still knee-deep in Mass Effect 2. I'm doing the loyalty missions, which, in my opinion, is probably like the meat of the game, like my favorite part of the game. Because in Mass Effect 2, they introduced these loyalty missions and what they are is like when you get to know a character very well you can undergo a personal quest for that character to really sort of solidify their loyalty to you and to the mission and really just sort of uh, complete their character arc Uh, so I'm going through those with all of my teammates right now and for the most part they're all pretty great you know like some are definitely better than others but they're all enjoyable in their own ways so yeah that's my Mass Effect 2 update Fortunately, I'm probably going to have to take a, a break from Mass Effect 2 to play Ratchet and Clank because that game looks fantastic. Uh, it's been getting great reviews, too, and I'm just so excited to play it. Yeah, I, 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 uh, if, I if I saw a PS5 somewhere, I would impulse buy it to play Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, Ra- oh, yeah, Ratchet and Clank is looking like one of those games that's like definitively saying, like, hey, this is what next gen is. Like, the SSD stuff in that game is just bonkers from what I've seen. And I kind of wish I hadn't seen it, because, like, experiencing that for the first time would have been magical. But, like, yeah, I already know this game now. I, I am glad I work at a place where I can know when the PS5s are in stock at before they are even on sale. That's, I can tell yeah, you when really, they're in stock. Really cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, it's I never. can just watch them stock. Uh, yeah. I know the guy that works electronics. <laughs> But yeah, the the other game I kind of wanted to quickly mention is Resident Evil Village. So I actually beat Resident Evil Village uh, since the last time we recorded. And uh, the ending of that game gets pretty weird, like in a good way, right? Like Resident Evil is like really weird in that from my experience with the franchise, like it starts out like a traditional horror game. Then it always goes weird, like anime nonsense near the end. And uh, this game especially like... I guess kind of spoilers like towards the end you're like fighting Magneto and like it basically turns into Call of Duty at one point near the end and it's just very strange but I I did enjoy it and I I get I don't really care about the Resident Evil lore but the ending does have some interesting implications for that as to where the franchise is going next Uh, and uh, that's pretty much what I've been playing what about you Connor? I didn't really play it this week, but we didn't record last week. I played uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles Angel Island Revisited, which is a... Uh, is that the full title of the game? No. It's it's a mod, essentially, for Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Uh, so yes, it, uh, like the version of it I played, that is the full title. But the full title of the original game is just Sonic yeah. 3 and Knuckles. But okay. It's uh, basically... So the mod does a lot of things. I only really cared about one thing. And to play this mod, you do have to have a legally obtained ROM. Uh, well, you have to have a ROM. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. I, I actually had bought it on Steam, so I had that laying around. Because uh, I bought it on Steam. I've tried to play this game a number of times, but I find Sonic extremely difficult to play in 4x3. Like, I know that that's how they were designed and all, but like after playing Sonic Mania, I find it very difficult to return. And like even playing Sonic 2 on my phone. 
So this is a uh, essentially the closest we can get right now to a Christian Whitehead port of Sonic the Hedgehog three. Yeah, which is an incredible game. Like I, I had no idea how good this game was. I have had this game. I bought this game three or four different times throughout my life and just never got anywhere in it. But I actually, I haven't beat it yet, but I got to the final boss, and I have a real tendency to do that in games and then never finish them, so here we go. But, like, they're just, like, like little surprises that, like, just little the little things that are, like, so much better than I thought they would be. Like, there's a level where you fight a boss where, like, Tails is carrying you, and I just, like... I don't know, I didn't expect that. Like, I just kind of expected bog-standard platforming for the whole game. I didn't expect a flying section. I didn't expect a snowboarding bit. I didn't expect, mm-hmm. like, a lot of little stuff that they did. Um, I think I think it has my favorite first level in any 2D Sonic game. Because, you know, it doesn't beat really? City Escape. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, so if you play Sonic 3 and Knuckles, the first level is Emerald Hill Zone. And it's good. But the one I mean is uh, in Sonic and Knuckles, Mushroom Hill Zone. I think it's oh, just... Oh, what a good zone. I respect Mushroom Hill Zone for being so different from Green Hill Zone. Because, like, every other 2D first Sonic level is just Green Hill Zone, but slightly different, and that annoys me. Yeah. Or no, it's Angel Island Zone. It's not... uh, Emerald Hill Zone is... uh, That's from Sonic 2. No, Angel Island Zone. Angel Island Zone is pretty good, too. Like, they're immediately, like, showing that they're ramping up the story and everything. They've got, like, halfway through, and uh, one of of the badniks shows up and starts, like, setting the entire island on fire, and you're like, whoa... What is all this? And like, I think it's a little wild. I uh, the only thing I I really didn't like about it is my own fault. I uh, I did not manage to find the seven Chaos Emeralds before I beat Sonic Three, and I did not manage to find. I also did not manage to finish finding all seven Chaos Emeralds before I beat the end Knuckles portion of the game. I uh, I never unlocked Super Sonic, which I found very sad because I was hoping to unlock Super and Hyper Sonic. This is the only game Hyper Sonic appears in, so I uh. Screwed myself there. But those uh, uh, Collect Blue Spheres games are very difficult. I'm very bad yeah. at them. And they, they're like, yeah, I remember those. Because they are those like, are you can tell that the controls are designed for a zero latency screen, kind of. And I don't have that. So like once it starts going really fast, even the like tiny bit of latency between my controller and my screen makes it very difficult. But I like it. I would recommend, you know, uh, if you... Ha- I, I, who, who am I recommending Sonic 3 to? Never mind. If, if you would like it, you've probably already played it. Yeah. No, there's not a lot of Sonic fans left that haven't played Sonic 3. Yeah, it's a good game. I get why I mean, people you're... like it so much. I didn't think I was going to like it more than Mania, but I actually do. I think it's very close. I think I still like Mania a little more, but not by much. I mean, how much of that is the mod, though? Or The, the think... mod, as far as I know, all it added was widescreen. That's oh, all. is that it? Okay. That's all, yeah. like, I think I turned everything else off, because I wanted a very authentic experience. The mod, I think, I think it can, it uh, changes the order of some of the levels, because uh, we, you know, we've we've seen some of the betas and stuff. It also can, like, change out the music with the PC version, which, I don't know why you would do that, because it's worse, but... Although the PC version is likely the music we'll get on the, uh, the collection coming to Switch soon. The, uh, what was it called? It got announced recently. It's Sonic One, the Two, Sonic Three, CD. and Knuckles collection. Okay. Yeah, the one, the one that was announced at the anniversary thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually didn't watch that. Uh, hey, you didn't miss much. That was. I, I figured it was just an anniversary collection. And it's maybe, the anniversary collection of the 2D games. Then you get. Remember Sonic how Colors you Ultimate. were? Uh, 
you were hoping for a remake of Adventure One and Two or a remaster or something. Yep. Yeah, no, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Until I don't week. think we're gonna be well into our forties. Honestly, Sonic Adventure remaster. I will go as far as to say I don't think it's going to happen. Period. Like I don't. Me neither. I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, it was going I, I to. I feel like happen. I feel like the desire, like the fan desire, is definitely there, but I don't think Sega is smart enough to do it. I don't think Sega will do it. I would not be surprised if they if they release an engine that is like highly compatible. <laughs> with the Sonic Adventure games, I could see fans doing a remake mod or something like they did with uh, Sonic Unleashed in Generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a fan, there's a fan remake, or it's not really a remake. Fans are porting Sonic 06 to PC. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll fix the bugs. No, they're they're going. <laughs> I'm, get to I'm pretty sure port. they're going out of their way to preserve the bugs. No, no, no one wants that. Everyone wants a good game, not garbage i mean i think sonic 06 is in that status where it's like so bad it's like legendary for being as bad as it is i, I honestly think it would be a worse game if you fixed the bugs because then it's it just be, like it'd be less laughable like yeah suddenly exactly. it's this serious functional game where a hedgehog kisses a, a human woman <laughs> like, <laughs> like I mean, that's I've worse that's worse. way worse all right. On that note, I think I, we're gonna. I actually realized I was play. I played another game this week that I forgot about. Okay. Uh, I thought I, you were gonna say something like, "I actually realized I've seen, you know, no more uh, hedgehogs kiss more people." But okay, I I, I have, but uh, <laughs> I've I've been playing No Man's Sky as well because I bought it on sale. I think a I've week heard or that two update. Ago. I heard that update's good. I haven't played yeah, it. Yeah, I hear it's real good. Uh, uh, I haven't the really prisms experienced update? it. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys want to? Because I, I hear you have to start a new save to like really experience it. Um, I haven't dude, done that. Honestly, at this like the last time I played No Man's Sky was vanilla. I feel like it's an entirely different game. Oh, it, like, it is, dude. If you guys don't see this weekend, kudos to Hello Games. Like they really outdone themselves. I think. If this weekend you guys want to hop on and uh, because it's crossplay, uh, if you want to hop on, man, this weekend I'm gonna be playing Ratchet and Clank. All right. I but I mean maybe I think next weekend yeah I I hopped on the No Man's Sky and did the expedition for the Normandy. Oh, oh yeah, you can get the Normandy in that game now. Yeah, it's, it's gone. Crazy. You can't get it anymore. Oh, it was what? like it's it was two time. weeks thing. Yeah, I had no it, idea. It, no. Two weeks. It ended. Why do you care, Connor? You didn't even play Mass Effect. Yeah, but I thought it was really cool. Oh yeah. no, it's super cool. <laughs> I've summoned my freighter in, and the Normandy jumps in beside it. Wild. It's so cool. Yeah, dude, I, I've I've been meaning to I've been thinking about going back to No Man's Sky for sure because like it's just I'm kind of in awe of all they've done to that game. Like it's it's an entirely different game. The, the crazy the thing part that I hear they really fixed is that it was really difficult to play multiplayer from the beginning. And I yeah. hear and my friends yeah, you can just it, jump like, in with your friends now. I think. Yeah, I I tried to play it with my friends and they were all like, oh, I'm stuck in this stupid tutorial and it took them like two hours to get out of it and they never. They never did learn something. I think I helped them out with like one tiny part of it, and it broke the tutorial. And they like never figured out how to craft ship fuel or something. Mm-hmm. And that just ruined it completely. Like the game was unplayable for them. I I don't think the game was actually broken. I I do suspect that they had messed something up somewhere personally. Yeah. But yeah, the game you know the game just wasn't. It never got to the point where they were having any fun at all. And I was sad about that because I actually liked it and I wanted to play more of it. Yeah, but. I had a I had a blast with the exhibitions mode because it starts you off with a good a good chunk of stuff 
and gives yeah. you like these objectives like you got to get here you got to scan this learn 10 words from each of the races that, that's the version land on these planets. Like, super good for multiplayer i think was yeah i know they're Dude. super fun i did it i think i sp- literally sped through it in six hours hmm. have you guys seen the trailer for the prisms update yeah like it's it's insane you can like ride creatures and there's like giant earthworm things yeah, like, when I get a nicer VR headset, No Man's Sky is in the list of games I would revisit. Yeah, it, I should probably has, play this in VR. Yeah, it has a very good VR implementation. It's one of the... It's probably, like, the exception to the cruddy VR mode rule that I adhere to. I know? just wonder, like, how how are they getting funded, right? Like, all of these updates are free. Funded. I mean, they're a really small team. Yeah, yeah they are. And I'm sure with each update, like more people buy the game, yeah, but like, sales. it's on Game Pass, so they're making money from that. It's yeah. on, um, yeah, I mean, and it's they a made, full I mean, sixty dollars game. Yeah, it's a sixty dollars game, and for how small that team is, like for how much it sold day one, they were set for life. That's true. Probably. Yeah, it sold a lot day one. You know, that, although that I company, think I I bought it on sale, so it was like thirty bucks. Yeah, but still, cattle. I mean, thirty bucks is about about what it's worth, even with all the stuff yeah. they've added to it. It's still not a sixty dollars game. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, I haven't experienced it, but, like, the trailers seem to say otherwise to me, but... I, I still wouldn't pay $60 for it. Yeah, I bought No Man's Sky and Mass Effect Andromeda in the same purchase. <laughs> Andromeda? Really? Yeah, I, I want to play through it. Okay. I'll finish my Legendary Edition playthrough, and then I'll probably stream myself suffering through Andromeda. Mm. Well, there you have it. Yep, there you have it. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for our E3 recap. I'm sure there will be some juicy things to to review there. But other than that, uh, thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us in any podcast service you use. And click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep, see you guys next week. See you next time. Back in the day, I actually thought it was called golden coral, like coral on the seafloor. Wow. <laughs> and my parents, I guess wow. they just went along with it. We called it golden coral for That's years, really funny. I feel like. My parents so. still call uh, some restaurants by the stupid name I called them as a kid. So, yeah. <laughs>